0: Hey folks, welcome to On to Waveland. It's the Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. And much to your uh, thrill and enjoyment and relief, I'm back. Uh, I sent a fax earlier. I'm back. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's uh, Brett Taylor, joined, uh, of course, by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Thank you guys for uh, handling my absence uh, in the last episode it uh, it sucked. It was legit. I was I was like plugging in my microphone. I was pulling up our uh, you know our feed from Adam to start this thing, and then pew, just hear the you know what it sounds like when your house powers down. Um, so actually, I blame the podcast for it happening because I had just <laughs> started booting it up, and like our entire neighborhood went out. So thanks. How thanks long a lot. were you
1: without power?
0: It wasn't too bad. It was only like two hours. It was not bad. Okay. But it was. was it at um, le- I don't
1: even remember. Was it a nice day that day?
0: I think it was fine. Yeah, I don't remember okay. either. Like it wasn't that long ago, but it's like <laughs> you know, I just yeah, I, I don't remember, but I think I recall you know, it wasn't like super hot or super cold, so there wasn't anything like that. It was more just um uh super annoying because you know what else happened? So bizarre. I couldn't get any cell service on my phone at the same oh. time. Which that doesn't like I don't, I don't live in a rural area. Like that, there was no reason for that to happen. So it made me wonder if, like, what happened was someone like drove into a cell tower or something that took down power lines and our nearest cell tower. Um, you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm I'd not an expert, mind. but that I'd lose my mind. So r- yeah, I couldn't do right now. Oh, it was two hours. I couldn't do anything. Oh, it was awful. I mean, <laughs> I had to like read and uh, you know. Play. <laughs> Brutal. God. Terrible. So anyway, I'm back. The world is on its axis once again. And, uh, you know, shenanigans aside, this is uh, the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. And baseball is, uh, boy, how do we describe it? Um, it feels like there is a uh, an increasing slow drumbeat toward... An acceptance that if unless there is a really significant backpedal in the state of things in this country, which is not impossible, but barring that we're going to see baseball back this year. And in fact, I don't know if you guys just saw it, but Scott Boris, even he, he did an op ed in The New York Times today. Did either of you guys see that?
1: I saw it and I got to say it, it, it just felt to me like a lot of what we've already heard, but just coming from Scott Boris in the sense like, yes, baseball would be great if it came back because it has this healing power during difficult times, sports can do that. And we just need the right set of circumstances and baseball can come back. And I think we need that. I That's how I read it. Maybe I, maybe I started to skim at certain parts and missed a, a big piece where Boris kind of shared something that was different. But it, to me, it just felt like a voice of authority just repeating with a, a lot of what we've heard
0: or said over the past few weeks, did I miss so something in that you, piece? Do you? Yeah, I was gonna say, do you want me to handle you with kid gloves now and be like, yeah, that's that's kind of what it was? Or do you want me to just like bring the hammer and be like, do yeah, it? No, you, no, you totally. Dude, what missed. did I miss? Like, you read like the first half and then not the second. No, um, it was all that. Everything that you said is totally right. But then he went very assertive on like actually making an argument that they need to open up spring training essentially immediately. Um, and have it be players uh, under quarantine to start spring training away from families. That whole thing, like he was actually making that argument that that needs to happen right now, even before there's a plan in place for the return. Okay, that's is, what I
1: missed. Missed that transition. I started skimming at one point. I'm like, is this sure. just the same old stuff? Because I'm not interested in this. Yes, but it, and it okay. Was. So he yeah. went hard on that.
0: Yes, and so that was just interesting because for him to say that is. Is compelling insofar as like obviously he speaks from a position of authority with respect to players' positions, and I'm just very surprised that he's putting that out there right now. Like this is what needs to happen. You know, we need to start spring training right away. Quarantine these guys. They need plenty of time to get ready for the season. Um, they're willing to do it. It's just it it runs counter to a lot of the things that we have been talking about. And I don't want to get too sidetracked on this because we've got a fun conversation to have today. But um, the, the point there only was that uh, you, whatever value you put in his um, particular plan, it just kind of continues what we've seen the last couple of weeks of um, the, it's almost become a presumption that like, yeah, baseball will return at some point, we got to do this and this has got to happen and this has got to be safe and this and that, but eventually it will happen. And so I'm going to make my argument about how I want it to return. Um, Which again, just was sort of odd to me. Uh, Mooney, did you see it and or want to say anything about that before we transition?
2: I did. And I think my biggest takeaway was how uh, kind of forceful uh, his argument was obviously Scott uh, does not always Uh, present his points in a very subtle manner. And I think it's significant that someone who is a player advocate is coming out and speaking so strongly in favor of kind of an ASAP uh, restart that this is not say the white house pushing players uh, into a potentially risky arena. This is someone who represents some of the richest most famous players uh, in the game including Chris Bryant uh, arguing uh, with a lot of conviction about what he thinks uh, should happen and I don't think uh, Scott would write that without soliciting a lot of player input and opinions uh, from experts uh, and that he is also someone who if you look at kind of the arc of his career has always been uh, out front and a believer in kind of numbers, data, analytics. And I believe he has like a degree in. Uh, he has, I believe he has a science degree. I'm, I'm blanking here, but you know, this is not someone who's just kind of speaking from emotion. Uh, this is clearly, uh, you know, he has an economic interest uh, as long as his as well as his clients, uh, to get back to work here. But um, he is someone who I don't think would just kind of dismiss uh, a lot of these health concerns or public safety issues just because he is someone who built kind of an empire uh, on numbers.
0: Yeah. So uh, you know, I'll I'll leave it there because I think that you summed that up well. It's just, I mean, I'd encourage folks to read it because it's interesting to hear it from his voice, but it's, um, you know, I just, I don't know exactly what to make of it, to be honest. And so let's just add it to the pile then, uh, kind of like Sahadev was saying, which is that it, we're, we're hearing and seeing a lot of, yes, it would be great if baseball returned. Um, it can be done if, if these, you know, following precursors happen and, um, it's, it's maybe more likely than not to return at some point this year, obviously without fans and subject to whatever, uh, crazy plans are necessary, but let's, let's imagine, let's give us, let's give ourselves that moment now for the rest of this podcast to presume we are in a world where, uh, things proceed in a reasonably strong way from here nationally. And so baseball can return and it's going to return in some modified fashion, uh, where the product that's being created is going to be solely made for television. Okay, so and that is likely that if baseball does come back, that is what we're going to see. And so in a world where that happens, um, I think baseball is going to take very seriously the opportunity to reevaluate what their television product is. Um, Not only because that is going to be the sole focus, but also because they're going to have an opportunity to have maybe considerably more eyeballs on them than usual. And so it's, um, you know, coming back is about money, let's be honest. And it's also about all of those flowery things about entertainment and healing and um, positive entertainment for people. Like, I actually believe all that stuff. I do. But because of that. Baseball can't miss on this opportunity to, like, really make a compelling televised product. And so what we wanted to talk a little bit about today is sort of what do we want to see um, when baseball returns? Kind of like what kind what extra things, what ways could they enhance the broadcasts? What interesting other layers could be added to the production itself? To make people watching the games be like dang this is uh, actually even more awesome than broadcasts were before so against that backdrop one of you want to jump in with some initial thoughts
1: well before i i'll let patrick kind of get into some of the ideas of what they can add i i watched the kbo late last night and i <laughs> obviously <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't speak Korean, so I didn't really understand the other uh, games that were on. But what I noticed the difference between, uh, you know, like an English speaking broadcast on ESPN, and what was happening with what whatever they were broadcasting on Twitch that I the Twitch feed that I was watching, uh, it seemed like there was constant energy from the Korean broadcasters, and there wasn't a lot of let the moment breathe which I love letting the moment breathe, but you can't <laughs> when when there's no fans to kind of take you through that emotion, right? So it, it, I feel like you need to, there has to be something really compelling on your screen for silence to be happening. And of course, w- maybe it's a completely different feeling for me when I know all the players and I know the situations and I know the context of everything, right? I was flying blind when while watching that, right? I don't understand all of... Uh, the deeper meaning right it's like you're a kid watching it and you have no clue what's going on you just may recognize a name or two here and there so maybe maybe that changes i noticed that uh, the english-speaking broadcast with Ravich and eddie perez was just uh, it was it 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 felt like it was a slog like they were struggling i don't if if you know we have games back and the broadcasters aren't allowed at the ballpark that's going to be really hard to watch they're going to have to maximize the production value there, really have a, a producer in their ears, letting them know who can talk when. I can't tell you how many times they talked over each other. I'm not sure if you guys watch that ESPN broadcast. I'm not cr- criticizing them because it's a really hard thing to do, But to make that a watchable product, if the if the if the announcers aren't in the ballpark, you have to have a a producer in their ear really getting on them. You have to have multiple backup screens for everybody uh, calling the game, because at one time I think their screens went blank and and they couldn't watch the game. I assume that the production value will be better when when you're talking about MLB games, uh, you know, if they're at the ballparks that were, you know, at everyone's home ballpark, I have no idea what it's going to look like. Hopefully, they'll be at the ballpark, and then we could come up with even more creative, create, creative ideas and how you can have fun. I think the most simple one is making sure you get as many sounds from the field as possible. Whether it's miking up the players, having the you know the big uh, I can't remember what they're they're called, but the big like boom mic type things that that pick up sound from a distance. You know, you can hear. Uh, what's going on in the dugout obviously the players have to be more careful about what they're talking about but if you can get that type of sound and make it more interesting without the crowd there that's the one thing i really noticed that uh while like maybe i didn't notice that there was no crowd at times because there was constant talking but the second there was silence it, it felt a little off and it and like it wasn't uh uh you know, it, it was something that maybe we'd get used to over time. But I'd like to see them find creative ways to kind of make that uh, not noticeable almost.
2: Yeah, I think you're you're on the right track. I think everything kind of has to be on the table and kind of one idea that had kind of been stored in my brain. I have to give credit to uh, our friend uh, Jesse Rogers of ESPN. We sit next to each other at Wrigley and constantly have kind of a, a running conversation. Uh, and you know, Jesse's idea <laughs> that he's talked about, uh, is like, imagine if you had like an HBO style after dark game of the week and you just get like, you know, a couple of former players, you know, someone like Miguel Montero, people who will just say whatever, and allow them, you know, no filter zone where they can drop F-bombs, they can say what they're really thinking and kind of, you know, model it after some of the stuff you're seeing now. Like I think the 1995 Braves watched a World Series game together, like on Zoom and, and YouTube or something like that. And I think the idea would be, you know, you know, letting fans in and hearing what, you know, players really think. I mean, Sahadev and I, we, we get it sometimes, like if you're uh, you covering the Cubs on the road and there's a bunch of opposing scouts there and, and you all come back at night and if you're having a drink at the, the Marriott or whatever and they just start telling you, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff and you're doubled over in laughter, I think that's <laughs> something that obviously I'm – this sounds totally far out now, but if there was a way to somehow do it um, that you know fans could feel like, oh, okay, that's like what they're really thinking and not be as quite as sanitized um, you know the other you know six games of the week.
0: Um, I love that idea. and I love the humanity of it. I love, I mean, we're in an era now where I think that it has gone. Still underappreciated for too long um, how much people want to feel the to sorry to use the buzzword, but like they want to feel the authenticity of the um, entertainment experiences that they're watching, or you know, whether it's being connected to actors that they're in their favorite movies, or obviously athletes, and feeling like that these aren't just um, you know titans on a field that are just um just performing a sport for our entertainment that they are just like whoa they're just like me they you know I could see myself being a part of this and um I think that there would be so much to be gained from that of course the risk which is similar to the risk of like uh hot mics because I think we would all agree that uh like Sahadev said miking up players and or getting more of those sounds straight from the field um is gosh that's got to be item number one when, when you're having this topic about like okay what can the broadcasts be to improve but the risk you'd run with that or with like Mooney said a sort of after dark kind of broadcast is when you get those raw and real moments from players unfortunately that stuff gets clipped and it gets Repackaged and it gets shared in ways that will necessarily look unflattering to the players or to the league. And for as much as I might argue that the upside is worth it for that humanity, um, and, and, you know, like some, some P.T. Barnum style, there's no such thing as bad publicity, um, especially for a sport as stodgy as baseball. Like, I just could see the sport, being like, no, too much risk, too much risk of like the, the bad attention. Cause especially when in those situations, all it takes is one team having a philosophy where it's like, no, we never want to see our players portrayed in a, that light where they say a curse word, God forbid. Um, <laughs> but, but I think, and I think that sort of like teases out a fundamental problem that some of the most compelling additive entertainment things that baseball could do for its broadcasts aren't going to appeal to every type of viewer and worse aren't going to be um, considered acceptable to every type of team this is kind of a so yeah it's kind of a tough spot for baseball in that regard
1: yeah, I mean, maybe it's easier, and we've discussed this plenty, but maybe it's easier for them to mess with the actual game, which sounds crazy than the broadcast, <laughs> yeah. right? That's a that, good point. It, yeah. Like, that sounds, like, counterintuitive, and, like, it should be a lot harder to do that, but for some reason it's going to be, well, not for some reason, because of what you laid out and everyone seems really willing to just play baseball i think john lester said it the other day he's willing to try anything uh if if it means playing baseball if john lester is out there saying hey let's just play and he's willing to try really unconventional things in game uh, then you know that the players are willing to just, most players, or 99% of them are just like, let's figure out a way to make this happen, even if silly rules need to be put in place to make, speed things up or whatever it is. Uh, I I think it, it's much easier to do that with the to, because of these circumstances than to mess with broadcasts, apparently. Uh, it's just going to be... I, I keep trying to think of different ways to bring a fan experience in, and it just every single time I think of something, it's like, yeah, that so easily leads to disaster. I think, Brett, you were included on that tweet where someone said, have them up on the video board, like a Zoom, yeah. like a Zoom thing. And it sounds fun and it sounds exciting. And ha- yeah, if you could uh, pipe in that crowd noise, too. <laughs> but there, there's no way the logistics of that work. I mean, you can't you can't have fans just <laughs> having video yeah. yeah, of themselves up there god knows what they'll do on those screens it's it's the penis (laughs) issue it's it's, it's the penis problem
0: lots of so many things end up coming back to the penis
2: problem
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah seriously we don't need that we've already had enough like Already, Zoom had to completely change their product to make sure people aren't hacking their getting into meetings. Imagine what happens when someone hacks that Zoom chat uh yeah so uh, it, it's as fun as it can be I'm, I'm curious how many of these ideas start to when we really start to think about them kind of fall flat and it's like yep I guess it's easier to just put a man in second base in the 10th inning than to come up a creative <laughs> way to broadcast a baseball game anymore
0: well let, let me try one just I want to bounce it off that like is the one that comes to my mind other than again sounds from the field miking up players miking mics in the dugout that kind of stuff is like number one with a bullet but a one that comes to me and i can't i don't have a great sense of like is this just compelling to me because i'm not only a super nerd but also sort of media adjacent or would this be interesting to people is i think about so we can't have fans at the ballpark right and part of what is so enjoyable to me about watching games uh at the stadium is i mean obviously the being with fans and the camaraderie and that, but like in terms of actually observing the game is you see the whole field and you see everything developing as plays happen. Like, I don't know, I like seeing, you know, when there's a play on the infield, what are the outfielders doing? I'm just sort of curious who's moving where, what's all of just these little ancillary things that you don't get a view of in a traditional television broadcast. And so I'm wondering, can't we just tinker at least with like, lots of different available camera views and maybe people can display or the broadcast itself can display multiple views at the same time and you can sort of see more of what's going on all at the same time. Do you think, would people be into that or is that just like, it wouldn't, it, it's not going to be compelling to most people? Well,
1: I, I think, think Mark... Oh, go on, no, go ahead.
2: No, I think uh, Marquee had before all of their plans were kind of thrown, uh, in the garbage can for a couple months, uh, had planned to, uh, add more cameras to Wrigley. Um, we're talking about, um, I believe one on like the right field foul pole, uh, for certain games, they were planning to have it on top of the center field scoreboard. Um, as well as this like idea of a potential hobby cam, if M will be approved uh, at second base, we could see that. So I think you'd have, one, physically, they were planning for more cameras to be in in place. And then uh, I'd imagine now, without 40,000 people jammed into Wrigley, you would have a lot more room to roam, and you would have a broadcast crew. That was already looking to make its mark and differentiate itself from its predecessors, uh, and we're talking about pre-Coronavirus shutdown. That was already kind of a huge yeah. idea for Marquee. So I would I would think that would uh, certainly be on the table, Brett.
1: I I think camera views sound different. Camera views sound really cool to me, and I just don't know uh, if this idea. I mean, different broadcasts as well. But can you pull that oh, off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that mean you're bringing now? You're adding. You're just adding more and more people to come in to the ballpark. Like I said before, it's really. It just. I don't see it, it being a great fit if if everybody's remote calling a game, right? It just doesn't work as well. Uh, but if if there's a way to get like the analytics broadcast, the you know the. You have the two, the home team, the visitor team, broadcasts. Like if if they made it more available, all these different broadcasts. I mean, uh, MLB TV has them, right? If if it wasn't uh, such a hurdle to get some of those broadcasts because of blackout restrictions and all that stuff, uh, it, it, that would be. It. Really great for opening up the game. I think they should find a way. I don't know what those contracts are like and how difficult it is to mess with stuff like that. But if you can pull back uh, blackout restrictions and get different types of broadcasts in there, I think you pull in a lot more uh, of your audience, uh, different, different people that may not have been watching or didn't have access before. Uh, you have an opportunity here to bring in a different group of people that may have missed out on it before. And I think you try and maximize that when
0: people are really hungry for it. I think that that's we don't want to fail to discuss that point. There's a that, like, you can't talk about the things that Major League Baseball could do with this um, uh, unfortunate opportunity without mentioning like what it could do with distribution of the broadcasts you know it's you're only really talking about half of the question if you're talking about what the broadcast is when you're not talking about how do um, you know how do fans get those broadcasts and so ultimately uh, you're right the blackout restrictions that are so reviled by so many are unfortunately a a critical element of the financial structure of the game because they protect the value of those local rights, uh, TV contracts, which have become kind of the the backbone of the sport. And honestly, I think I follow this stuff as closely as anybody, and I can tell you that nobody on the outside is going to have a good answer for how you could possibly deal with the logistics and the contracts to – limit the impact of the blackout restrictions if you wanted to say make more games or all games available to everybody you know for a week it's like it's going to be free baseball week for everybody I mean like somebody's got to get compensated for that and so um, I think it's fair for us to say man sure seems like a really tremendous long-term opportunity for Major League Baseball To say, look, if we truly want to be part of the healing and part of the distraction and part of the positivity, then we need to make sure that our product is available to everybody. Um, And I just don't have a ton of confidence that that's going to happen because of the ways that these relationships actually play out. But, yeah, we have to tee that up. I think it's our (laughs) obligation to say it, that if it can be done... I think that the long term value will dramatically outpace the short term losses of like having to go to your RSN and be like, okay, hey, we need to, you know, refund you for this week's worth of games because we're going to just give them away.
2: Yeah, that's a great, great point. I hadn't even thought of that bread of, you know, baseball kind of actively makes it difficult for customers to, who want their product to actually access it. And, you know, maybe that kind of entire business model can't be, uh, reshaped in one kind of during one shutdown. Uh, the only ideas I'd had since I think I'll be writing something off of this wanted to throw a couple of ideas your guys's way to see what you think. Uh, I'd like to see, a Designated tweeter, I'm obviously thinking you, Darvish. I know MLB is against <laughs> technology in the dugout now, but if you just let someone like you, Darvish, uh, open his Twitter account on one of you know one of his days off, uh, maybe put run the tweets up on the Wrigley video board, I think that would be a good idea. That uh, is a killer yeah. idea. That is a
0: killer uh,
1: one, idea. yeah. You designated starting pitcher every game to tweet whether and maybe you don't even need to do it from both teams you know that's you just if you if it's too hard or they don't like love the idea of it just just limit it to one team per game there's one player that's tweeting
0: and let me add let's not be so obviously twitter is our medium of choice between the three of us i think primarily but like you know Major League Baseball has to not think like the olds, and so yeah. maybe it's like get some TikTok some action. Player. Yeah, say players got a phone with him, and he's making TikToks in the dugout. I don't, I don't really know shit about that, but I guarantee that would do well. So and to, yeah. and
1: to keep it safe, so you're not bringing in technology into the dugout, maybe you have the uh, the team's uh, social media person uh, there, sending dude, it out there. <laughs>
0: dude, if you are stealing fucking signs in the middle of a pandemic when you're pretending to make TikToks. what kind of monster would be amazing. Oh my gosh. And in fact, you know what? You know what? I I just, I take my rage back. I wouldn't even be mad. I'd admire the chutzpah. I'd be like, you know what? gosh that is just freaking amazing balls <laughs> the stones on you to pretend oh no no no! i'm just doing a little dance to just sweet to caroline yeah no i just uh no oh yeah. <laughs> so
2: dude that'd be fun uh mooney you had maybe some other ideas that we can all right on? Two, two more that i think might actually you know be somewhat realistic that uh Obviously, the manager is like the star of the soap opera before and after every game during the season, but I think that gets played out a little bit, and I really like in spring training when, like, Jed Hoyer goes on the broadcast booth, he actually had one of the lines of the spring saying he texted David Ross, Lou Gehrig, you are not, uh, after he called in sick for his first game as Cubs manager, so I think, you know, if you somehow had them as like a recurring guest, you know, in the booth or in the GM suite instead of David Ross having to kind of, you know, carry the load every single day, particularly with some of these, you know, bigger picture questions. And also, you know, Len and JD have great relationships with this front office. And I think they're able to draw out certain things that, you know, maybe we can't when we're covering the team every single day. I mean, Jed and Theo, I obviously grew up watching the Red Sox and consuming broadcasts and, you know, they're on the radio during the season all the time. And I think sometimes that's a difficult medium when you have, you know, someone talking into their cell phone and they're pissed off because the team's losing, you know, nine games in a row in September. I think when baseball (laughs) comes back, you could have a really interesting dynamic. And then just the other one would be. I don't know. I was kind of obsessed with Mike Vrabel's basement during the NFL draft of that dude that looked like he was sitting on a toilet. And I'm just wondering if you can somehow get, you know, like imagine what John Lackey's like man cave basement looks like. And if you could somehow get people like that kind of Zoom calling into the broadcast, because I think people are really interested about what people's houses look like. And I think there's probably a way where you could throw that in there but I may just be spending way too much time in my own basement and slowly going crazy day after day.
0: Can I just add that that John Lackey's man cave is is probably like an actual cave with bodies (laughs) hanging from the wall. Bones in the corner. (laughs) Just bones. (laughs) No, but no, I, I like that Mooney. I think that's really good actually. Cause I, I do, I feel the same way where it's like, you know, watching the draft, it's like, Wow, this is like some serious breaking the fourth wall stuff where it's just like we're in their houses, um, yeah, no, that's really good. I think you know you've got look, I know you said you were gonna write something with this you've got my blessing, I think you got some good <laughs> stuff there um you can tell Greenberg that I said it was okay um so <laughs> look, I appreciate uh, that <laughs> <laughs> tell them. Tell him Brett said it's okay. Tell him Brett said, yeah. Yeah. He he'll know what that means. So uh boy, this this turned this turned delightful, guys. Yeah. You know this was it was I, I had to miss one, and so it was a lot of pent up uh pent up silliness that I needed to unleash. Uh so I appreciate it. And I appreciate uh all you folks for listening. You know, if you if you think about it, if you're on the Twitters with us, you know, send us your ideas. If you got some thoughts on what could be Uh, a really compelling addition to the broadcasts fired away. We love to get tweets. Uh, And we also love to get really nice reviews uh, for our podcast onto Waveland that you can get uh, wherever you get podcasts. You can of course always listen on the athletic app and uh, you know, we just, we'd love to hear from you. We appreciate all of you and we'll be talking to you again soon. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Keep an eye at The Athletic because they will, sounds like, have some cool stuff coming out. And I'm Brett Taylor. You can see my stuff at Bleacher Nation. And we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, folks. Be safe. Bye.